right, so we're just going to try something new today. And I think that's worth saying because uh, we've got our, our techie, our Jamie, as we like to call him. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm being shafted. I think it's good to involve Sam. Do you feel like you're being shafted? No, I don't. I just want people to know. They may have watched up to this point in the go. Are, are they taking that responsibility away from James? And I want it known. James willingly is happy not to read the questions. Well, we don't know what we're we'll going to release from the previous episode, but we had a good like back and forward Sam. Yeah. Uh, in our last recording session, we thought, "Oh, let's get Sam involved because he was he was doing great work." Well, that will come out as my podcast. No, 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 in the At the end? We no, discussed no, no. it outside. No, 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 but Oh, the back and forth conversation that we yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. Have I derailed this already? Yeah. Further proof as to why the role has been taken away from me and why Sam is now being incorporated. All right, into Sammy, the we're gonna we're gonna incorporate you. So I need to know where we are, where we're. All right, so we're at question one forty-seven. So that's on page fifty-nine. Can we? Hold on, the, you got to light. Oh, we've got to light the candle uh, before we begin. Light the oven candle one. So we're up to question one forty-seven. We are. Yeah. And and I'll read it, and then shall I read the the? No, I'll read the piece? answer. I okay. Think, yeah. Yeah. Jack, what does the word church mean? I enjoyed that you did that in the most James-like fashion. Thank you, Sam. A trace of the authentic self survives in the <laughs> commercial self. Or whatever that is. <laughs> the word church refers to the people whom God calls and gathers together from every part of the earth. They form the assembly of those who, through faith and baptism, become children of God, members of Christ, and temples of the Holy Spirit. No reference there to the physical building? No. The short answer. <laughs> I think we should just move right along. Because, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Question number 148. Are there other names and images with which the Bible speaks about the church? In sacred scripture, we find many images which bring out various complementary aspects of the mystery of the church. The Old Testament favors those images that are bound to the people of God. The New Testament offers images that are linked to Christ as the head of this people, which is his body. Other images are drawn from pastoral life, shepherd, flock, sheep, from agricultural, field, olive grove, vineyard, and from construction, dwelling place, stone, temple, and from family life, spouse, mother, family. So I just want to, like, I think this is an important point because, like, the, the, yeah, we use a lot of words to discuss what the church is and how we relate to the church and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and so in the Old Testament, it's more customary to talk about like israel as the sort of like prefiguring of of the church um and so and in that sense israel is referred to as the people of god this has become a very actually a vatican II thing to sort of say is the church the people of god um whereas traditionally we would talk about the church as the body of christ um the mystical body of christ on this earth i mean we are a people yeah i mean if anything that's a much less controversial I mean, that's. I think anyone would just look at it and say, "Oh, these are these are these are a people, and these are their God." This is a. Whereas the mystical body of Christ is not really something you'd say about many other religions. I suppose the the difference would be um, for the Jews in the Old Testament, the yeah. idea of the people of God is a sort of like, um, "Oh, you're the people of Apollo. You're the people of Baal. You're the people of this or whatever." Yes, and they're saying something quite significant, mm. right? We're the people of. The one God. The one God. Yeah. Right. Uh, As opposed to your pantheon. Right. And I suppose this becomes a sort of like... Post-Vatican II, we're upset about the Holocaust. Well, it's not just that. It's also that I think in Christendom, you yeah. have a sort of... It's because there are different nations that are sort of quite 
that have their own identities. Okay. But these identities are not like the, the church exists sort of above these identities, right? Like, and so it's like, oh, well, we're all one part of one mystical body, right? Even though we have, I speak French, you speak German, I do this, you do that. Mm. We're still, we still have the same faith. Um, we're not one people, right? Like in, in the sense so that So what's like, the term that we're using now, sorry? The, the post-Vatican II sense? Post-Vatican II, we've, we've gone back to people of God. People of God. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, I mean, there is a pain to, not, to having a religion without a nation. Should sure. I say that? Yeah. Which is which is not quite to have a body that's divided across state lines doesn't Well, there are ways in which that's more beautiful, I think. More beautiful to be a body? Yeah, but that that is like that has its own characteristics in different places. I mean, a people is a nation. Like you usually that is what we would you settle into, the tribe, the yeah. nation, the community in that sense and yeah. this is not it's odd that that's the language that they're pushing at vatican II because it's not the situation that they're uh they're not pushing for a christian nationalism no 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 not at all yeah. I, well i think that they're trying to get away from that right, right. they're trying to get away but, by but they're getting away from it by invoking the people of israel mm. who are very nationalistic the whole thing is a nationalistic struggle mm-hmm. it's at its core it's a struggle to the nation identity. as yeah. a people with God. Yeah, yeah, and I think what they're saying is like, and I, don't, you know, I, I'm just saying this is the sort of like terminology that's being yeah. employed in this. But how much of that do you think is, hey, the Jews said that, and we're hit with that too. We love. No, this no, I think this is a, a sincere, uh, and it might actually be worth doing a sort of Vatican II episode or something where yeah. we sort of like delve into some of this stuff because it's actually a really good idea. Because I mean, I, Vatican II looms large in the Catholic imagination for a lot of reasons. Um, I think a series on the councils would be very good. Yeah. Well, Vatican II specifically because it's like so significant. Um, but yeah, the the idea of like them trying to emphasize this, I think, is then trying to get away from that idea of like the difference between Christians in various places, right? Like the, a French is no different to a German Christian, right? Like in the sense that you all are bound to the same tribe, which is to follow the one true God in Jesus Christ. But, uh, I, but I do think that, like, there is, like, a... Yeah, but they're also definitely not saying push the Protestant out of the country. No, 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 of course not. Right? No. Mm. no, and I think that's what they're trying to get which away from. they would from. have said. No, I think that's what point. they're trying to get away from is, like, the, the idea of the church as the mystical body of Christ, which is something you have to be baptised into, mm. which has a hierarchy, has, like, uh, cleared lines. The idea of, like, a, a people of God is more all-encompassing, you know, is a bit more... I don't want to get dig- dug in and stuck, but we also say of Muslims, you know, their God is our God, right? That's Some people feel very strongly about this, but I feel fairly comfortable saying that... Popes say that with some regularity. I feel fairly comfortable that we worship the same God. We worship the same God. Yeah. But if we're not saying that Muslims are in the church. I mean, they would not. They would say that they weren't. So what, that they, they worship the same God, but they're not his people? Right, and we're going to get to this, like, as we do the church a lot. Like, it's a really good point. Um, who's in, who's out? What are the conditions of this? If there's no salvation outside the church, yeah. if you define the church to mean everybody all the time, all at once, is everybody saved? But, I, but again, I just want to say, as on my T-shirt, we're going to get to that later. Cool. Yeah, yeah. At Sammy. some point, we need it. Okay, if we're going to do it like this, though, at some point, we'll need a third copy of the book. But let's see how we go. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Question number 149 What is the origin and the fulfillment 
of the church. The church finds her origin and fulfillment in the eternal plan of God. She was prepared for in the old covenant with the election of Israel, the sign of the future gathering of all nations. Founded by the words and actions of Jesus Christ, fulfilled by his redeeming death and resurrection, the church has been manifested as the mystery of salvation by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. She'll be perfected in the glory of heaven as the assembly of all the redeemed of the earth. So It's so much harder to follow along without the text in front of you. Sam, I don't know how you've been doing it. If you've been doing it. I haven't been doing it. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to get the text on the screen when we're doing this for people. We will, yeah. So a couple of things. The church finds her origin and fulfillment in the plan of God. Okay. So the church, like God creates the church. You could say that of a hot dog. Yeah, but in a very specific way you're saying it about the church. Because, like, what is the church? It's the body of Christ. Right. So it's been willed by God, right? Like like when you were discussing, so you spoke to a Protestant earlier today, you had all sorts of disagreements about... But we're saying it's as distinct from other religious... Uh, well, so we would like not say, for example, like a Protestant church has its origin and fulfilment in God, right? Like, like yeah. the Fifth Presbyterian Church of, <laughs> you know... East Pennsylvania or whatever has its origin in something else. Yeah. Whereas the Catholic Church, when we're saying church, big C. When you're saying something else, you're very um, discreetly not saying Satan, aren't you? Go on. I did not say Satan. That was big of you. Uh, So she was prepared for in the Old Covenant with the election of Israel. So Israel is a sign of the church. This is better. I can just watch you with your mealy-mouthed weasel words (laughs) rather than following (laughs) in the deck. And I can look for the signs of when you're desperately trying to pull back. Founded by the words and actions of Jesus Christ, so Christ himself establishes the church, um, been manifested as the mystery of salvation by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So Pentecost is a sign of what the church does. So one of the things that, that happens at Pentecost, of course, is that the apostles all speak different languages, yep. right? Like, And they have this, like, the gift of tongues or whatever. Um, so and so that's a sign of, like, it's the counter-Babel, right? Like, Babel is hum- humanity's attempt to build something that goes to God yeah. with one language, right? Like it's an attempt to impose order on humanity. So that splits them up by giving them different languages. Whereas in this instance... Yeah, whereas the, and that's what happens at the fall of Babel. Exactly. At Beautiful. the fall of Babel, then everybody has different languages. Yeah. Pentecost is the opposite of that. It's It undoes that thing. Because even though we have this situation where we all speak different languages, we have different cultures and all sort of stuff. One is building a lock, one is a key that fits it, so it's the mirror, but it's also the answer and the... Uh, right, and it, well, it's not dystopian is the other thing, right? It's not sort of like uh, like an imposition from above. It's not like you must follow this thing. So, like, for example, the difference between Catholic culture in, and this is sort of what we're talking about in the last point, mm-hmm. in France in the 14th century and England in the 14th century was very different. They're both legitimate expressions of a Catholic culture. In our diversity, we find our unity. I mean, basically, right? Well, we have, <laughs> in all things, we have charity, right? Yes. Like, so it, it's not necessary for us to have, like, the same practices or customs. I think we've spoken customs. a lot about how individual yeah. creativity should be brought out by the faith rather than, mm. uh, yeah, that homogeneity, homogeneity yeah. is not the same as... Unity. <sighs> it's not. No. And I can just see an avenue where I, if I'd been drinking, I'd go down a big avenue about World Pride Month now and how it's just pretty What's, much it's all the same. It's not going to be World Pride Month. He's, got his, he's got his bum out and he's dancing to four to the floor house music again. Okay. I think it's very ironic. This is picked- my individual creativity. And what's that? I love f- 
they picked the excuse rainbow me. as excuse their me. as their sign, which is the excuse me the sign that God gave that He would not destroy humanity for such things. Yeah, again. which I think is um, given an inch and taken a mile. I think we should move on. What's Cut. the next question? <laughs> so, question one hundred and fifty. Can I do a bit before we do it that I'm working on? Bit on. As you say, I feel so sad for gay men that they're so fabulous. And yet with their political movement, they've been dragged into having this terrible garish flag. I mean, can you imagine if a woman wore that flag to the Oscars, divorced of its political meaning, the nasty, nasty things gay men would be saying about it? Oh, Mm. everything everywhere all at once, Michelle Yeoh. It's not great. It's not great? I'm sorry. Fine. (laughs) How are you feeling out of sorts, James? I feel good. I feel good. Keep going. Keep going. Give, Come on. Do we need to give Jimmy the book? No, wait, I don't need the book. I'm loving this. We've had sufficiently good moments that I think we can edit this okay. into something right. good. I apologize. It's fatigue, and it's that I've eaten only one sandwich today. Yeah. Okay. And no alcohol. Yeah. But you know what the sandwich was? What? I took your girlfriend to have a Lucia's number one. Oh fuck! Yum. Sorry, mate. Sorry to take that away from you too. You did. Cucked by a sandwich. <laughs> you know what? She didn't respond. While we're having it, we were talking about something else. And at the end, I was like, did you enjoy the sandwich? And she went, yeah, it's one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> yeah, I right. didn't want to say anything. It was a really cool response. <laughs> Come on. Well, Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm feeling it. All right. I'm ready. I'm focused. I'm focused. I am focused. <laughs> Sam, read the question. Read it. <laughs> question 150. What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to proclaim and establish the kingdom of God begun by Jesus Christ among all peoples. The church constitutes on earth the seed and beginning of this salvific kingdom. So I think we've I think we've also talked about this before, mm. where the church is like, you know, Christ is always talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand, all sort of stuff. Um, and the church is just th- that in mustard seed. And so that will come to fruition at the end of time. But it's not, we're not uh, like third temple Israelites. No. Who are like, when we finish the work, then the end of times begin. No. We're saying we have this work and the work will continue perpetually in a fallen world until it is abruptly halted. Yeah, yeah, basically. And we don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. But that we can't bring that about. Yeah. Yep. 100%. We're just given sort of a. Dare I say futile mission? You dare not say futile. Okay. Yeah. It's not doing. It's. I mean, what what are we doing if if there doesn't have what is a mission if it's not an objective to proclaim and establish the kingdom of God done by Jesus Christ? I would say more of a. To proclaim, to be proclaiming. This is like a present tense. Yeah. You keep proclaiming that, but it's not something you can have done. You can't like achieve that mission. Of course, can. The mission, but even when you achieve the mission, the mission springs anew because there's always more yeah. to proclaim. Yes, there is. But, like, that's not to say that, like, you don't take your wins when you get them, right? Like, mm. for example, you converted to Catholicism at yes, some point. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and that's an ongoing, everyday conversion, obviously. But that to, in order to do that, someone had to proclaim it to you, right? Like, mm. so, And they were doing the mission of the church, which is to save souls, right? And it is actually a nice... Uh, it points forward to the kingdom of heaven. You know, mine is a kingdom without end, 
right? Yeah. Also, yeah. it's teleologically good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, so, too, our mission does not end. Well, my kingdom is not and of this world, right? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. nice. That's so, nice. the kingdom is not of this world, but it is in it. And that's what we're called to do as well, right? Be in the world, but not of it. Thy kingdom come, yeah. thy will be done. Mm -hmm. These are the things that are... We are... Yeah, this is the work. I mean, this is we're the church militant, right? Mm. This is the fight that yeah. continues while you're Exactly, alive. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does finish. I mean, you do complete the mission as an individual in the church. Yeah. When you die. When, when your race is run. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. You fought the fight. Rip. As the kids say. Valet, as the lefties the, say. On the TikTok. I'm happy with that. All right, keep going, Sammy. Jack, in what way is the church a mystery? So again, we've talked about mysteries before. A mystery is something that we can never fully know, but it's something we can always deepen in. The church is a mystery in as much as in her visible reality... There is present and, and active a divine spiritual reality which can only be seen with the eyes of faith. So that's important because, like, obviously, I mean, we all know people who, you know, you just go, they go, oh, the Catholic Church is evil. and I was going to say a very different question. In which ways is the Catholic Church's financial situation a mystery on purpose? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the, the money is always a problem. But, like, yeah. I mean, obviously the clerical sexual abuse stuff is another big one that's, mm. like, fairly topical still. Um, Liturgical abuses. Bad masses, all this sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, like, it's a mystery because it is this human institution. But in it, somehow, is Continues with the eyes of faith. Yeah, we, we see something more than that. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll sort of get to this when we do the sacraments. But, like... And it's, it's an abhorrent thing to think. But for example, to receive communion from a pedophile priest is still to receive communion, mm. right? Like the worthiness of that man to give you that gift. Doesn't that get in the way in that way. Doesn't stop it from being the thing, right? But you can only see that with the eyes of faith. Whereas people who do not have the faith would see that and go, these people support a pedophile. Yep. Well, or, this is the other, I mean, it's, you know... I think this is your point, but when you're dying and you want to make a confession to someone, who do you make it to? Do you make it to Martin Luther or a good deacon? St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Is that St. Francis of Assisi? Yeah. Oh, because he's a deacon. Because he's a deacon. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, you make it to Martin Luther because even though he's a heretic, he's a priest. And with the eyes of faith, you can see what he can do for you. And like Constantine, for example, I think he um, he was baptised in his deathbed by Arius, the priest of the Arian Arianism. heresy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Interesting. But it's like he wanted baptism. Uh, did he want an Aryan baptism? It's like, well, I don't know, but like he wanted baptism. As long as the formula was legit. Yeah, exact. All right, let's keep I going. I like it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What does it mean to say that the church is the universal sacrament of salvation? Such a great question, Sam. Thanks for asking it. Um, this is the first one where I've got like a clear picture in my mind of how I'm answering it, and I can't see it in front of me, so it's like I wonder how it will differ. From what is it? Can I say what I? Yeah, I think you should. Can you yeah, read, yeah. read the yeah. question again? What does it mean to say that the church is the universal sacrament of salvation? Universal, everybody in all ways, across all things. Mm -hmm. Sacrament, sign, pointing towards, but also the means of doing it. Mm -hmm. So it orients everybody all the time, all at once, towards uh, their personal and the world's salvation. Now, but how do they say that in a way that's nuanced and rejects several heretical ways of saying it? This means that she is the sign and instrument, yeah. well done, Jimmy, bing bang, bing. both yes. of the reconciliation and communion of all of humanity with God and of the unit of the entire human race. 
Well, I said all of humanity and the entire human race. Oh, man, I even differentiated uh, between the individual and the... Man, fuck. Oh, boom! Oh, fucking good. <laughs> Very hard to say how that was too different from what I said. All right. So, next one. So a sacrament, I just want to All right. very very quickly go Fine. through that. So it's a sacrament, which we'll get to the sacraments later, but a sacrament is a, is a sign that does the thing that it signifies. Um, and so the church... So we have seven sacraments in the Catholic Church, but we also describe the church as a sacrament because mm. it is the sacrament given to humanity. You said it had by a sacral quality, Tom. <laughs> Only a very elite group of people will get that. All right. Samu. The church... People of God, body of Christ, temple of the spirit. Doesn't sound like a question. <laughs> Why <laughs> is... <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Why is the church the people of God? The church is the people of God because it pleased God to sanctify and save men, not in isolation, but by making them into one people gathered together by the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not good for man to be alone. Boom. Done. Uh, I don't know how that sits with anchorites. <laughs> Obviously, well, sometimes good for a woman to be walled up. In actually, an anchorite is different to a like a desert father because an anchorite at least is in like yeah. a church that people can visit and get wisdom from. Yeah. Um, of course, we we believe that some people have a calling to uh, not not isolation because generally, like a hermit, I'm happy to say, is that uncommon. Hermitage might be a harsh medicine to lead you towards your final good. Yeah, which exactly. Is resting in yeah, yeah, yeah. As depicted in, I don't know if everyone's seen Neon Genesis Evangelion, but when we're all an orange translucent goo, goo with yeah. women floating about in us, <laughs> is that basically what happens? I mean, you're more orange than I am. Have you seen Neon Genesis Evangelion? No. Weird ending. All right, let's keep going. All right, but that's the depiction of heaven is that we're all melted down into a big goo together. <laughs> it's nice to be together. Can I ask James this one? Can I, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I just address this to let's James? James, what are the characteristics of the people of God? Flexing, respecting, <laughs> sexting. Uh, what are the characteristics of the people of God? I assume it's the same characteristics as the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would hope that that would be what we embody. The characteristics of, I mean, the truth. I think it's an abstract question. I think I'm just Yeah, that's answer. hard. Yeah. See, no one would formulate that question. No, that's without true. Without trying to find an excuse to have the answer. One becomes a member of this people through faith in Christ and baptism. This people have for its origin, God the Father, for its head, Jesus Christ, for its hallmark, the dignity and freedom of the sons of God, for its law, the new commandment of love, for its mission to be the salt of the earth and light of the world, and for its destiny, the kingdom of God already begun on earth. Reads a bit more like a modern poem than a question and an answer, but I'm happy to accept it. All right, let's just plug on to the next bit. <laughs> I'm having a good time. In what way does the people of God share in the three functions of Christ as priest, prophet, and king? So we have talked about this a bit already, uh, yeah. I think. Uh, so the people of God participate in, Christ, in Christ's priestly office insofar as the baptized are consecrated by the Holy Spirit to offer spiritual sacrifices. They share in Christ's prophetic office when with a supernatural sense of faith that he unfailingly to that faith and deepen their understanding and witness to it. The people of God share in his kingly office by means of service, imitating Jesus Christ who was king of the universe, made himself the servant of all, especially the poor and the suffering. Is this being set up in a purposeful way to make it clear that the laity have a have these roles when we're about to hit the priests afterwards? Because uh, those are the things that in Persona Christi, like a priest is 
that a priest would do these things. So interesting you say that because this was such a debated thing. So like Martin Luther in the 16th century, like one of his big things was he wanted to emphasise the priest, priestly prophetic and kingly nature of the laity. Right. And this was something that was perceived that the clerical church was pushing back on. And it was something that Vatican II, the church did say, we do believe that the laity have these things. Of course, the church always believed these things. And that's because Martin Luther doesn't get this stuff out of the ether. He, he's, he's, he's in the church yeah. and he says them. He's, and he's trading on like tropes that yeah. exist. Um, so yes, we do speak about uh, like the ministerial priesthood or like, so somebody who is ordained a priest has a specific way in which they do particularly the priestly thing. But we also do believe that every Christian has these sort of functions, right? Has these offices in a, in a certain sense. Um, so you're a priest because when you go to mass on a Sunday, like you're supposed to, with the priest, you know, offer your yeah. life on the, on the altar, all that sort of stuff. Um, you're a prophet because you're meant to go out to the world and prophetically proclaim Christ. And you're a king... You are a king, James. Mm. You're a king because you have this dignity, because you have this, like... And, and what does a king do? It's you don't answer king to anybody. Serves. You don't answer to any man. Right, exactly. We well, have a sovereignty over yourself, uh, but yeah. you also... What is, what is, how does Christ show his kingship? By service. Yes. So we're called to service as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ladies, why do you even need to be priestesses? If you share in all those wonderful things, isn't that all the equality you could ever ask for? Uh, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, what, what do you get from baptism you get the dignity of the children of God. Yeah. Other than being the person who's standing up the front, she seems a little boastful that you'd want it, frankly. <laughs> yeah, basically. Maybe I have turned and I'm in a sad mood, but I, I don't <laughs> think I'm doing bad work as a result. <laughs> All right, Savvy, let's move on to the next one. In what way is the church the body of Christ? The risen Christ unites his faithful people to himself in an intimate way by means of the Holy Spirit. In this way, those who believe in Christ, inasmuch as they are close to him, especially in the Eucharist, are united among themselves in charity. They form one body, the church, whose unity is experienced in the diversity of its members and functions. I think we should just plow through the next couple of questions because they're sort of related. In what way is the church the body of Christ, which has just been said, and yeah. I'll say the next question yeah. now. Who Not as easy as it fucking looks, is it, No, Sammy? I had a bit of hubris about me, I must say, Jimmy, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who is the head of this body? Christ is the head of the body, the church. The, the church lives from him, in him, and for him. Christ and the church makes up the whole Christ, says St. Augustine. Head and, head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person, says Thomas Aquinas. And I think we'll just do the next part as well. Yeah, why is the church called the bride of Christ? She's called the bride of Christ because the Lord himself called himself her spouse. The Lord has loved the church and has joined her to himself in everlasting covenant. He has given himself up for her in order to purify her with, with his blood and sanctify her, making her the fruitful mother of all the children of God. While the term body expresses the unity of the head with the members, the term bride emphasizes the distinction of the two in their personal relationships. That was a lot, wasn't it, Jimmy? Uh, no, I mean, it's... With a relatively sophisticated understanding of language and symbols. I mean, yeah, it's sort of funny that it's the body and the bride and that there's sort of a self-marriage thing going on there, right? Yeah. Uh, but that it emphasises different things, that, that they can both be entirely true, is it's a fun thing to meditate on and it's the source of, it's the font of poetry, you know, and devotion. 
So I actually just think it's beautiful and I don't have anything to say about oh, it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I thought it was going to be more there from you. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, obviously, we are a body. And in the same way that you can be disgusted with a part of your body or disgusted with things about one's bride. Um, <laughs> I'm not married. <laughs> well, this... Uh, Only one of us here is. <laughs> so it only mean one thing. No, I mean, she, obviously she's disgusted by things about me. I mean, this is the point. It's a great Mark Barnes uh, essay on marriage where he sort of fleshes this out. Shout out to Mark. Shout out Mark Barnes. Um, 30th birthday coming up soon, and I don't know what to get. He's him. not 30? Suck a fat one, Jack. Wow. Yeah, that's what an accomplished man looks like. Man's <laughs> taking over a town, and he's not 30. And he's also so smart. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know what to get him for his 30th. Fly me there? No, I keep going. <laughs> the gift that keeps taking away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but I just, like... I mean, could we maybe... It might be interesting to bring out why it's not other metaphors. Yeah. Like, it's not this... The people of God... Like, we call God... You know, Christ calls... We, we join Christ in calling God Father. Mm-hmm. Um, the church is not the son of Christ. Mm. Uh, even though it's not like the brother of Christ. Yeah, sure. Um, which, you know, I mean, what he has is sort of a bro-y relationship with the boys mm. for a lot of the time. Mm. And so the fraternity of Christ might be a natural way of reading it. And yet this is language that is never really used. Yeah. That the church is the brother of Christ. The church is the sister of Christ. The church is the bride. The church is, I mean, what is a bride? And how is that distinct to other members of the family? Yeah. Sex is a, often, not always, but often <laughs> a part of that. Yes. And so that makes me think of Benedict over there and that we are cooperators in the work of the truth or however he wants to frame it, that uh, even though the, the bride may be the, dare we say, passive partner uh, in the marriage, the man being just stereotypically the active partner, it's still, it's not, it's not like the slave of Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's to some extent the equal co-part. Yeah. Of Christ, sure. while also being the entirely the body. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a really good point. And so, like, and so John Paul II would describe this as the sort of like the nuptial mystery of mm. of the church, right? Yeah. Which is that. So yeah, as the bride of Christ, yeah. I mean, and some people get uncomfortable about this sort of stuff. Um, where they like, what is a woman? Like, a woman is receptive in the nuptial mystery, right? Like in the marital act. And that's what... Please, talk dirty to me more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, and so Christ is the one who is is doing the work in us, right? Like, he... <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> I knew you'd love that. Yeah. <gasps> How far out did you knew you were going to... No, go well, on, I mean, on. this is also like <laughs> theologically normal terminology, but... Yeah, especially for JP2, the yeah. dirty theology of the body type activity, which I'm never able to read any of, and... Uh, makes this look like C-spot run. Theology of the body stuff. <laughs> is it not? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very... Uh, what he does is he writes like this. Mature stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, so... But yeah, it's it's sexy. It's sexy stuff. And like, but I think also like the fact that like Christ loves his bride, the church, of which we are a part, um, is very important, right? And he loves us. Like and and if you read um, so for example the Song of Songs is like a classic yeah. part of the Bible where you read it and it's quite erotic. It's right? Obviously like, about 
there's a sexual dimension here. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, because like our sexuality is part of us. Um, this is a way that we express love. Yeah. You get to know someone better. You look into their eyes. Yeah, and you yeah. just want to have more yeah. enjoyable experiences with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's also, um, he makes her the, the fruitful mother, right? Like, so the church is the mother of us all as well. Like, we are. But it also cleaves to him and becomes one with him in the yeah, way yeah, with the yeah. major one thing. But I'm a child of the church, right? Like, is, is a way to, to think of it. And it's like, I'm only able to be a child of the church because the church is a fruitful mother with Christ. Yeah, I mean, these start to bleed into each other and, in, you know, in ways that if you view them together, yeah. are sort of incesty. But. What we are talking about is the oneness of all positivity and desire. Yeah. And what you do with oh, judges, you know, I mean, you love your mother and you love your wife yeah. and you don't love them in the same way. But yeah. love in the abstract has both components to it. Like both of those things make up the bigger thing that is love. Well, that so, is love. Well, so Benedict in his first encyclical, Pope Benedict in his first encyclical, which was called Deus Caritas, God is love. Mm-hmm. He describes, he breaks down in the sort of like, in the Greek categories, I suppose, the different types of love. So there's eros, agape, and philia, which is like, so friendship is, philia, this is what we have for each other, right? Like, um, eros. Speak for yourself. I feel this next one. Well, <laughs> yeah, eros is what you have with your wife. Yeah. In a way that I do not have for you. But you also have philia with your wife, right? Like yeah. you also have a, a friendship. Yeah. Uh, like a, a familial love. Um, but it also has this other component of, of eros. Mm. But agape is the type of love that we have for God, right? Like, and, and that kind of transcends and takes into it all those other types of love as well. Mm. Um, and these other loves are sort of like pale imitations of, of agape, right? Like we, can, we only love these things in order to truly understand what that type of is. Right, and then conversely, that the... Eros and the fraternal love, um, well, uh, Felicia, I don't know, what, what do you call that? Philia. Philia. Yeah. Uh, point towards the agape, yeah. the greater godly love, mm. to regard the, you know, when, when people are too into a relationship, yeah. it's uh, repulsive because you're making it more, like there is a way that you can turn romantic love into a, a beast when it sure. becomes a god. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. these things in the correct What if you only have... Eros, if you only... Maybe I'd do anything for you. Will you score me some smack? Yeah. Yes, honey. Yeah. If you only have Eros and you have no friendship, yeah. right? Like, if, if the love is not mature, yeah. then it then it's not... Like, it's a type... Like, you know, the Greeks talk about it as a type of love. It's sort of like a... You know, we would describe it as lust, right? Like, we're like, yeah. oh, I'm lusting after this person. Yeah. And it's only Eros. Yeah. And it will fade, right? Like, you need the other types of love in order to sustain it. Look, probably. <laughs> James hasn't got to that point yet with his wife. His wife is very beautiful. Very beautiful woman. All right. Sammy. <laughs> Why is the church called the temple of the Holy Spirit? She's so called because the Holy Spirit resides in the body, which is the church, in her head and in her members. He also builds up the church in charity by the word of God, the sacraments, the virtues and the charisms. Uh, I think you should read the quote and then read the next question. I'd what? like it slower. Sorry. What did you say? I'd like it again. Can you give me that answer again? Sorry. Uh, she's called the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit resides in the body, which is the church, in her head, which is Christ, yeah. and in her members, which is us. He also builds up the church 
And that's the Holy Spirit builds up the church by charity, by the word of God, by the sacraments, by the virtues, and by the charisms. I don't understand how that answers the question. How is it the temple? Because it exists in these things. Yeah, because like, a, like you know, if you think about temple in the Old Testament sort of a way. Well, I'm thinking of a building again here. Yeah, it's a building. It's a container. It's a house for something. Yeah, and, but, and that's where the thing resides, right? Like, and what's the thing? It's the thing that's being worshipped. Right. So the, the whole church is the temple of the Holy Spirit because, but we're not talking about a building here necessarily. Yeah. We're talking about, okay, everyone who's animated, everybody who's, who's a member of the church mm. by baptism and it's by charity. It's part of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's the thing that's keeping the temple. And we can see how that heretically moves into a form of humanism and people would. Yeah, but also like, Christ. yes, but, but that heresy is so close to reality because it's like, well, actually... The Trinity does reside in you by baptism, right? But then, when people start going, you know, the gospel is not the apotheosis of uh, that understanding; it's the universal declaration of human rights by the UN. Mm. Yeah, it's dumb. But that's what that I think leads to, right? But also, like, what's what's so interesting when that's perverted? What's so interesting about that stuff is like, I mean, and this is what what the problem with Protestants is, right? Like, is that you've got okay, so they've got one of these things; they've got the Word of God. And they might even have charity, right? Like, mm. But what they don't have is the sacraments, the virtues, and the charisms. You need to have all of these things. And it's in all of these things the Holy Spirit dwells, and you know some, the Spirit is dwelling with someone if they have all these things. Can we start doing a counter on this episode with every time Jack uh, digs into the Protestants, just a little bell goes off and the number goes up? And there's up. a number goes up, yeah. yeah. Done. And we don't explain it until this point what the number is. <laughs> it's a very quiet bell. Bing! And it's only when you get to this episode you understand that we've thought of it now. <laughs> 132. The first one. Like, yeah. the I wonder how many it is <laughs> by now. Uh, we, could, we could add in me as well. Do we just want to do you or me? And Like just all Protestant digs in the whole podcast. We've got time to do that for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, like... Which is why we're editing it. We'll just we should like, also have Muslim what? digs. <laughs> I don't think there's been one single dig at Muslims. I think there have been charitable observations. No, we dug in the Muslims. With our friends, the Muslims, with whom we have no trouble. And who we definitely don't want us to blow, blow yeah. us up. We'll edit it. I on. actually don't think there's been any Jewish digs on air. Why would you say <laughs> that? I didn't mention that at all. <laughs> why would you say that? I didn't mention... The original people of God in the slightest. Now, Sam, can First we... First Nations people of God? <laughs> <laughs> can we have that quote, please, Sam? What the soul is to the human body, the Holy Spirit is to the members of Christ. That is the body of Christ, which is the church. And that's a quote from St. Augustine. So, like, we have a soul, right? We have a body and a soul. We mm. have a sort of conjunction of these two things so the church like without the spirit is dead right as the soul without the body is dead yeah and we only the, the church is only present when the holy spirit is present in it and it's only present in it when it's got all these things the sacraments the virtues the charisms word of god all that sort well, of stuff this may be a way of us knowing if the spirit is present is if it really seems alive and animated and yep. virtuous yep you know we're going to continue to to go through how we will know the true church. Yeah. But I think that'll probably be the next episode. Um, so what are the charisms? That is the question. That is, oh, that is the question. I'm just going to ask, ask and answer the question. Yeah. No, no, come on. Well, he asked the question. What are charisms? Yeah, oh, okay. Charisms are special gifts of the Holy Spirit which are bestowed on individuals for the good of others, the needs of the world, and in particular for the building up of the church. The discernment of charisms is the responsibility of the magisterium. 
So charism just means gifts, basically. Um, and St. Paul goes through a sort of list of these gifts in mm. one of his letters. And he's talking there about like tongues and prophecy and all this sort of stuff. Um, we think of the gifts or the charisms now more as um, something that, that pertains to like religious orders. So... You have a vocation to... Yeah, but also, like, I want to start a religious order, which is the charism right. is, like, the service of the poor or or the education of poor children or something mm. like that. Um, but it's also true to speak of charisms in, like, very imminent terms, right? Like, you have certain gifts that I don't have, right? Like, you're very funny and you're very outgoing and all these sorts of things. I would have gone with full head of hair. you got a full head of hair. you got a beautiful full head of hair. Thanks for pointing that you're out, welcome. Jimmy. You're welcome. I have different charisms. I can smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can do those things. I would have gone with the uh, weight personally, but you were very good not to. So, but but these gifts are, are there to serve the church, essentially. Like, God gives us gifts for a purpose. Yeah. And if we have a mission as Christians. And he'll give us the resources we need when we need them. Yeah, and so it's, and you see this in the parables as well, right? Which is like the parable of the talents. Like, you know, to, to who God gives a lot, a he lot is expected. Lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With great power. Comes great responsibility. Thanks, Uncle. What was his name? Uncle. Uncle Buck? <laughs> Uncle Ted? I don't know. Which movie? The Uncle Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Is that really from Spider-Man? That's from Spider-Man, bro. Yeah. Um, Dead Uncle. Dead Uncle. Anyways, Dead Uncle said it. Um, but yeah, the, that's too good a line to have originated in Spider Man. Can I ask? Can I, I like do no, one no, of yeah, my yeah, little yeah, button yeah, question? Yeah, 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 do yeah, some button questions. I just, I'm just looking at the word magisterium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, in some, in in relation to, so I'll read the charisms of special gift, the Holy Spirit, which bestowed individuals for the good of others, the needs of the world, and in particular for the building up of the church, the discernment of charisms is the responsibility of the magisterium yeah what is the magisterium so we did cover this earlier but it's i think it's a really good point because like i suspect there's maybe some people listening who also are you know like these things it's like it's a lot to take in um so early we spoke about how there are sort of three uh pillars on which we have like an epistemology of of like how we know about the truth so we talk about the word of god the bible um, we talk about tradition, so that's things like the Mass and the sacraments, all that sort of stuff. And w- then we have the magisterium, so that's the bishops in communion with the Pope. Uh, so that's the teaching authority of the Church. Uh, so t- magisterium just means like to teach, basically. Uh, so we believe that Christ gave specifically to the apostles and their successors the authority to teach in his name, uh, and that that won't fail, essentially. So, but we also entrust to the magisterium certain things like discernment of charisms, discernment of private revelation, all that sort of stuff. So we, we do trust in the bishops and the Pope to, to make decisions on these things. So if you were to, to want to start like a religious order as like a lay brother, right? You're like, oh, I'm not going to get married and um, I'm going to start a school and educate these children or something like that. Um, you would eventually have to get a sort of sign off by the bishop or the pope to do this, right? The local bishop or the pope, um, or maybe both. Uh, and so, yeah, like, because we would say, well, because these people have this authority to, to make these judgments in the name of Christ, they're going to, hopefully, they're going to be the best equipped to choose correctly. 
there are lots of examples where this isn't the case. So we're in South Australia, for people who might not know. Uh, we have one saint in Australia so far, St. Mary MacKillop, St. Mary of the Cross. And she started an order called the Josephites in the 19th century. Um, and their whole thing was teaching poor Irish migrant children in Australia. And she was excommunicated by the Archbishop of Adelaide, which is where we are, uh, because he thought her gear was no good, basically. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why she's a saint, because she endured this excommunication with great humility, uh, with great devotion, with great obedience. But he judged incorrectly. So it's not to say that the magisterium will always judge correctly in these matters, because we only believe the magisterium will judge correctly when it comes to a matter of faith or morals. But we still do entrust these things to the magisterium because they're the best equipped to do it. Um, I think that answers the question. Sam, James? I just had a dig at the curia that I didn't make. That's all I was waiting on. Uh, with the Pope's friends who are making some decisions that I think should be left to the bishops. So in terms of like teaching the faith, which is teaching the essential stuff that you need to get to heaven, that's what they're... They do that. That's their function. That's the function of the bishops and the Pope. Um, but there are all sorts of things that are corollaries of that that are also part of their job description, which we don't have that sense of uh, certainty in, right? So it's like, okay, well, it, it cannot be the case that the whole magisterium in communion with the Pope would err in teaching us the faith correctly. So if you come across a bishop who's a heretic, okay, there's one or several or many bishops who are wrong, but the whole magisterium won't be wrong, right? Like at some point, the Pope at very the least... The mean of the magisterium. Yeah. well, the, the, when they, Which is why they get together to vote, right? Yeah, and the, and the Pope at least will be a bulwark against that. There are other things where it's like, okay, how do they deal with money? How do they deal with corruption? How do they deal with like people who want to start good societies to help people? They might earn that stuff. Um, because they're human. Matters of prudence. Yeah, exactly. Things that require them to engage the virtues with decision-making as opposed to holding on to the faith. But the fact that they may the err in those faith. things yeah. doesn't mean that they're not the best equipped to do it because, like, we believe on faith that they are because they've been given these Being gifts. a bad bishop doesn't make you not a bishop. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so even though my judgment, I might think, might be better in any given situation than... Bishop X or whatever. And it might be. <laughs> it might be. Uh, does, I'm still not, like, I have not been delegated by the church to make those calls. Um, and we do believe that, well, and that's not just some sort of like, oh, well, the community's decided. We actually think that's a sort of, there is some divine thing happening there. Um, that, that Christ said, the gates of hell never prevail against my church. And so even in the Borgia papacies and the corruption of... Boys jumping out of cakes. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey. Yeah. Mikey. It's still... It's still... Those popes still never taught error, even though they were having sex with people and doing all this sort of crazy stuff. Now, the response that... I don't want to overcomplicate this. The response that, like, a tradie separatist would say is that the church fathers taught at some point... Uh, the Pope will err. The Church will err. I, I mean, I don't think that they ever did, but... I mean, I haven't actually seen what that is in reference to, but, like, visions of the Church erring. Yeah, people have visions all the time, right? Again, and we entrust the Magisterium to, like, make judgments on these visions. Mm. Yeah. And often these visions are not approved. 
No doubt. <laughs> well, because it's also difficult. It's one of these things where you become a Protestant, where you go, oh, well, actually Christ said the gates of hell could never prevail, but I had a vision that the gates of hell will prevail. Uh, and so I'm going to write this like treatise online about some obscure mystic from the 12th century um, who has never been interpreted. Can we just can we go through that scripture a little bit for a moment, just for me? Uh, yeah, just the, the gates of the gates of hell. The gates of say it again. What is it? But I think it's like really important because it's one of the things that really sustains. When you start getting into the church politicking, it's so ugly and difficult. And to just like to have that from Christ as a to sustain us, that is as bad as things get. Well, look, even if you never said it, right? Like it's like, oh, if you believe, I mean, essentially that is putting a cap on what Christ is doing, right? Mm. And you're you're essentially setting yourself up for a further revelation, right? Like if, if you... Don't have I believe in the I believe in the creed where it's like I believe in the Catholic Church. I believe in some conditional version of what Christ has said. Yeah, is not the same as believing Christ and who He is and the and the things that He's given to us. Mm. Yeah. Um. I, there's really bad reception here. So and the gates of hell prevailing is not the same as sustaining an attack or things being. We're saying that that the castle the. the the integral parts of it never fall. Well, so like and and will not fall and will sustain until the end of time. So he says. That, so okay, like let's let's read the part. So it comes from Matthew, and I don't even know what translation I'm reading here. Uh, and Jesus answers him, "Blessed are you, son, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." So I think this is when, um, I think because I've just literally just googled this, Christ has said something to the effect of. Who do people say that I am? Mm. Um, and some of the apostles say, oh, people say you're Elijah or you're one of the prophets or whatever. And he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, and so Christ responds to him, blessed are you, son by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So like you, you couldn't have known this by your own judgment. God mm. has revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What are you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So this is like, again, typical God behavior. He's giving somebody a mission. What's the first thing he does? He gives him a new name, right? You were this guy. You were Abraham. Now you're Abraham. You were Simon. Now you are Peter. You were Saul. You're Paul. Exactly, right? Like you're getting a new name because you've got a new identity. You've got a new horizon to your life. Um, you're Peter and I'm going to build my church on you and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's the first thing that Peter goes and does when Christ gets arrested? He sells him out. He betrays him. Betrays him, yeah. Says, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know, I don't know who this guy is. And our priest made a really good point on Sunday about this where he was like, he's not even doing this to like somebody impressive. It's like a servant girl who's like, don't you know that guy? And he's like, oh, I don't know him. I don't know him. I'd never thought about that before. That's a really good point. Like yeah. the stakes are so low. And for Peter, and he still denies him, right? Like, and Peter's always doing this gospels. When you read the gospels, it's like Peter is such an idiot. He's always doing the wrong thing. He's always making mistakes. And this denial is not hell prevailing. No, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like because that like he's immediately he's, he's the rock that it's all built on, yeah. and he's like maybe more examples of him being the worst of them, short of Judas. <laughs> it's pretty clear when you read the gospels that Peter is. Not great. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like, okay, this is the guy who Christ has chosen to build his church on. Is like a very for a very the weakest. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like obviously after the resurrection, like Peter goes on to do great stuff. He has a pivot. Yeah, well, and he's he's he realizes what he's done, all sort of stuff. But like, I, I think that is an instructive lesson, right? Like, mm. is that okay? Peter is is in the Gospels a sign of contradiction, as is Christ. You know, like he's this as is the nation of Israel. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that I don't even know where we got from from there, but yeah, that was the case. Just, help well, yeah. well, this is also something that's really uh, our common Jewish Christian heritage, Judeo Christian, Judeo Christian, so different from reading like the foundation story of Rome, <laughs> yeah. right, or like uh, Mesopotamian Gilgamesh. It's not really built on him. He has a lot of erring back and forth, but like when reading the accounts of like Romulus and Remus, yeah, whatever, it's a like a Romulus. It's a lot like, and he was strong, yeah, and he did the right thing, yeah, and people came at him, pow, he took care of it, yeah. and it's like really like the heroes who built this thing that you're a part of were great, even Muhammad, do the yeah. wrong Muhammad, yeah, wow, so good, so strong, but so powerful. The, the Jews and the Christians, are like, yeah, and the church, and it's all. It, it came down to that guy. Oh, no good. Really bad stuff. Yeah. Really bad stuff. But he came back. They came yeah. back. It was all right. We got through. They fucked it up again. So I was zigzagging. Look, and we'll deal with the church as we go. We're going to get into like the, the next parts of stuff like papal infallibility and all that sort of stuff. And that's pretty spicy stuff. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in the, in the coming. But in matters podcast. of personal judgment, the church can and does get it wrong. As do I. Anyways, I think on that note, we'll um, if we haven't committed any heresies this time around, uh, which I'm sure, what looking back, I'm sure I'll figure some out because I always do. I'm always. Do like, you really? You go that's heretical. <sighs> so many times, James, and it's a point of pride to me now where I'm like, do I ask you to cut it, or do I leave it in there? Ooh. I know. <sighs> I think we probably just annotate as it's happening. That would be like, great. Have a big like heresy like, sign on the bottom. Beep, beep, beep. Or just quietly. And then it's like maybe a list of cliff notes with like yeah, footnotes, yeah. like heresy number one. And it's like, yeah, Jack, that one you wrong. regret and you can write about it. Yeah, yeah. Or I was yeah, thinking like it could add like a heat wave effect, like where everything's just getting like a bit blurry and wobbly, <laughs> like as you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Anyways, you'll see that coming up. Yeah. All right. It's been for about 28 hours of podcasting. <laughs>